Welcome to season two of Sorting Pen, the California Cattlemen's podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics, CCA leadership developed this podcast. Welcome back to season two of Sorting Pen. If you missed our first episode on recent amendments from the California Air Resist Board to the Small Off-Road Engines Program, visit our website to listen to that episode and download a fact sheet that'll also help you sort through how that's going to impact equipment that you might use on your ranch. Moving on to episode two of season two. Today, we're joined by Kirk Wilbur, our Vice President of Government Affairs. Welcome, Kirk. Thank you, Katie. Kirk, along with Jason Bryant, our contract lobbyist, work on behalf of California cattlemen before the state legislature, lobbying good things and then lobbying against the things that they believe will be impactful in a negative way to your business. Kirk, I know that about three weeks ago on January 3rd, it was welcome back to session. Since then, what have you been really working on? Wanted to see if you could give us an overview of how the beginning of this year is shaping up. And then I also know that CCA has been working already just early in this new year on some priorities for the year. So if you're listening, I want to urge you to stick around. We're going to be talking about those at the end of the episode. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get into some uh, real detail over the last three weeks of uh, the legislative year as we go through this podcast today. But I just kind of wanted to give folks a sense of how the session has started. And uh, for me and Jason, I'll say that it's been kind of like uh, drinking from a fire hose. These first three weeks have just been uh, incredibly busy in Sacramento. Part of that is just by virtue of this being the second year of a two-year legislative session. There are a lot of two-year bills that either were held in committee last year for one reason or another. Uh, maybe they weren't the top priority of the author. Maybe they needed a little more time to work on those bills to, to get them in a position to pass through the legislature. At any rate, the beginning of this session has been a high focus on bills that were actually introduced in 2021. And the reason there's been so much urgency and so much work to be done on those bills is because they have to pass out of their house of origin by the end of this month. So Jason and I have been extremely busy working on some two-year bills that were introduced last year. Uh, also, one week after session started, of course, the governor came out with his proposed budget for the fiscal year 2022-2023. That took up all the oxygen in the room for about a week, everyone uh, having their reactions to the budget, really diving deep into what the budget does for their constituencies. We did that, of course, for the California cattlemen, and I'll get into some detail on that budget soon. But it's also just been kind of a weird year for some non-conventional reasons. Uh, one of those is that we still have COVID-19 in Sacramento. That is impacting our ability to meet in person with legislators and their staff. We're having a lot more Zoom meetings again, like we have over the past couple years. Uh, additionally, there is construction happening to build a new capital annex. So there's a swing space that legislators and their staff are in now, which further complicates the ability to really meet with those individuals. That sounds incredibly frustrating. <laughs> it is. And, and because of both COVID and the swing space, a lot more folks are working from home remotely. So it's very difficult for Jason and I to kind of interface with some of the folks that we normally could just see in the offices and the halls of the legislature. Uh, on top of that, there is uh, redistricting, which I won't get into in too much detail because I know Jason and you are going to be talking about it on an upcoming podcast. But that is changing some of the political considerations for a number of the folks in the legislature. And as a result, a number of legislators, whether because of redistricting or because of term limits, are retiring, which changes some of the political calculus at uh, the Capitol. So it's just been a very uh, busy, very weird beginning of the session. But I'm 
optimistic about CCA's uh, year ahead, and I think we've done some good work in the first three weeks of session, and I'm happy to talk to you about that. Yeah, thanks for hitting the ground running this year. That sounds like a busy couple of first weeks. You did mention Jason Bryant, and I will be recording every districting podcast and talking about how much change is coming to the California legislature over the next few years. So look for that in the coming weeks. But today, something you mentioned already was the focus of two-year bills and getting those uh, moving on or just acting on them before the end of the month. Some of you might be wondering, we did introduce a bill last year that got postponed to this year of the legislative session, and that was Assembly Bill 434, which CCA has worked on with Assemblymember Robert Rivas to author. As a refresher, that bill would have expanded livestock grazing on state-owned lands, which is a priority for CCA's fire subcommittee, given the benefits of cattle grazing and for reducing fire fuel loads. Kirk, what's up with AB 434? Is CCA moving forward with that? Are you on a big crunch to get that done by the end of the month? What's going on there? Yeah, so by way of background, you know, there were three major priorities that were set by our fire subcommittee in October of 2020. And two of those we passed into law last year. We uh, got Assembly Bill 1103 signed into law, which creates livestock pass programs in the state. And we also signed, got signed into law uh, Senate Bill 332, which reduces liability for prescribed burners. Hopefully, we'll increase the rate of prescribed fire here in the state. Uh, we had a third bill that was a priority of that subcommittee. That was, as you mentioned, Assembly Bill 434. That bill did become a two-year bill. It was held before it got to the Assembly Water Parks and Wildlife Committee last year. We had the opportunity to bring it in January this month of this year. We ended up making the political calculation not to revive that bill in 2022. And the reason for that was it was a lightning rod. The usual suspects, the Sierra Club, Center for Biological Diversity, and dozens of other environmental groups hated the bill just because it had the word grazing in it, right? So uh, we ultimately decided not to run that policy bill this year. But of course, there's a few different ways in Sacramento that you can get policy implemented. Uh, one is a policy bill. Uh, another, of course, is just working through the regulatory process with administrative agencies like the California Natural Resources Agency. And another is working to finance your programs through the budget. So we are going to be focusing this year on those other two strategies, not on the policy bill of AB 434, but on working with the California Natural Resources Agency and trying to fund state land grazing in the budget bill. And I do have kind of one uh, interesting, hopeful point on that front, and that is in the proposed budget that was released on January 10th, there is some language under the wildfire and forest resilience strategy funding that has $482 million earmarked for resilient forest and landscapes within that subsection, within $482 million for resilient landscapes, there is language about wanting in the budget for the next year to expand grazing. There's not a lot of detail because this is, of course, just the proposed budget. But as we move forward in budget negotiations, CCA is going to be working hard to make sure there is funding for expanded grazing, uh, ideally expanded grazing on state-owned lands to help reduce those fire fuel loads that have increased the spread of fire in the past few years. Sure, that's great to hear. And I know it was important enough that the governor did have a slide on it, correct, when he introduced the budget proposal? Yeah, and obviously, you know, we open up the budget document right when it's released. Uh, so we, we get to kind of do our control F and search through the document before uh, the governor says much. But uh, Jason and I, of course, were watching live on the governor's YouTube page as he's doing his like three hour uh, conference uh, about the budget. And I was somewhat surprised, but pleasantly surprised to see expanded grazing as a bullet point on one of his slides. So with the budget, give us a sense of when that's going to be finalized and how it might take shape for this year. 
Yeah, so uh, I'll start with the the last part of that question is how it might take shape. Uh, you know, we went over one thing that is in the proposed budget, and that's the possibility of expanding grazing. There's a lot of other good stuff in that proposed budget for uh, cattle ranchers. I'm going to give you kind of some some big bullet points, some 30,000 foot sure. overview, because, of course, it's a hundreds of page document and we've only got a limited amount of time here. It is a, a record breaking budget proposal. It's two hundred and eighty six point four billion dollars total, and that's thanks in part to a strong budget surplus that's projected to be at least $45 billion. Uh, there's some really good stuff in here for California's cattle ranchers, from my perspective. The proposed budget has $1.2 billion for forest resilience and wildfire prevention. Uh, that includes $382 million for strategic wildfire fuel breaks and $44 million for community hardening. That's all good stuff. Uh, of course, drought, in addition to wildfire, is a huge issue for our ranchers. Uh, there's another $750 million in assistance to people impacted by drought contained in this proposed budget. That may not seem like enough, but that's on the heels of $5.2 billion put into the budget last year for drought resilience. Uh, additionally, uh, not to talk too much about the budget here, but there is $417 million for climate smart agriculture in this proposed budget. That includes $85 million for the Healthy Soils Program and $48 million for Livestock Methane Emission Reduction Funding, uh, which is useful partly for us, but mostly for our uh, dairy brothers. That serves as a good rundown for those of us that aren't planning on taking the time to read all of the pages of the budget. But definitely thanks, Kirk, for giving us kind of the bullet points that you think are impactful for us to know at this point. Yeah, I, I advise people uh, not to spend their time reading the budget proposal itself. Uh, you had also asked kind of uh, how that budget might take shape over sure, the yeah. months. Obviously, you know, I've, I've pointed out some of CCA's lobbying efforts. We're going to be trying to get expanded grazing on state-owned lands. We're also going to try to bolster those wildfire and drought resilience portions of the budget. There is ample time to do that, ample opportunity to do that. This is, like I said, just a proposed budget. We will have some opportunity for the legislature to review it, for the administration to refine it, and for stakeholders like the California Cattlemen's Association to provide input up to the May revise, which is the next iteration of this proposed budget by the governor. That gets further refined before June 15th, which is when the legislature has to finalize a budget bill. But anyone who paid attention last year knows that's not necessarily the last word. Last year, I think through September, we were still getting, you know, budget bill juniors, as they're called, that had further appropriations. So there's plenty of room to work with this budget in the next, you know, eight months or so. Well, we'll look for that to continue to move and progress in the next couple of months, especially. Let's get to some of CCA's 22 legislative priorities, as I know that you're already working on those as well. There's a couple of CCA-sponsored bills that we are going to push forward this year. But before we get to that, there's always bad legislation. And right now, I know that you and Jason specifically are working to defeat one of those bills around plant-based school meals. And that's really been taking shape, I think, since the legislature came back. So it seems like this bill comes back every single year and we have a fact sheet on it. We talk about it at meetings. Let's update our members where this bill is at and what's happening with it. Absolutely. And I appreciate you teeing up the bad news first. Obviously, uh, every legislative session, there's good and bad, but I want to end the note of this podcast on good news. So we'll dispense with this uh, negative bit first. Uh, and hopefully over the coming months, CCA ends up making this into a positive. And I will say there's a good chance it'll be a positive. You were batting perfect last year, correct? 
let, let's not give me too much credit, but CCA <laughs> has had an extremely successful last couple of years. And obviously, you know, our, our bills that we sponsored last year and got signed into law were huge uh, wins for the association. So uh, hopefully we can continue on that success. Fingers crossed. So what's up with this bill? So this bill has reared its head on, on numerous prior occasions. We uh, managed to kill this bill, though we were neutral on it back in 2019. I should back up. This is a, a plant-based school meals bill, uh, which incentivizes school districts, school associations to purchase plant-based meals and vegetarian meals put on the plates of students uh, eating at school. This is authored by Assemblymember Adrian Nazarian. It again came up in 2019. It ended up not making it through the legislative process. It came up again last year in 2021, uh, managed to make sure that bill didn't even get a hearing in the Assembly Education Committee. Uh, and of course, our, our members who review Legislative Bulletin and our other publications are aware of that. Uh, we viewed that as a win last year. Uh, on January 3rd, the first day of legislative session, this bill was amended and was revived. Uh, so Jason and I immediately started working against this bill. And here's the real reason that we find it to be so problematic. This bill encourages schools to give purchasing preference to foods that contain plant-based products. Uh, some analysis shows that the difference between those plant-based meals and traditional meals is about 12 cents. But this bill provides an incentive of 30 cents per meal for schools to provide those plant-based meals. So it's a really powerful incentive to a school to not go with a meat-based or a milk product lunch and instead go for a plant-based lunch. So we want to defeat this bill uh, or at least make sure that it is not incentivizing schools to move toward plant-based meals. We think we are in a good position to do that, though this has made it further along than it did uh, last year in 2021. It, it recently made it out of the Assembly Appropriations Committee, but there was direction from the chair of the Assembly Appropriations Committee to the author to address the concerns of the California Cattlemen's Association and our partners at the Western United Dairies. We're going to be working in the coming weeks to make sure that that bill is amended and hopefully get it to a position where we uh, are, are not objecting to it as strenuously as we are right now. One last note I want to make on Assembly Bill 558, which is this year's iteration of this bill, is that it's sponsored by Social Compassion and Legislation. That's a group that has some anti-animal agriculture uh, policy on their books, frankly. But if you listened in on the Assembly Education Committee hearing, they were making some very misleading statements about the greenhouse gas emissions potential of California's livestock industry. That was all based on global numbers, not on California numbers. I think everyone listening today knows that we have the most environmentally sustainable livestock industry in the world. Additionally, we think there's a real risk from this bill of actually exacerbating the greenhouse gas emissions uh, problem in the state of California and in the world. Right now, the farm to school program, which CCA has supported uh, a Newsom administration priority, as well as some Biden-Harris administration initiatives, all promote locally grown and sourced agricultural products in schools. This bill would allow for globally sourced agricultural products. So instead of getting your fruits, veggies, your milk, your dairy from California ranchers and farmers who are environmentally friendly, you could be sourcing those from South America or elsewhere. Obviously, less sustainable practices there. Also, the GHG emissions of transporting that stuff here, processing it into those highly processed plant-based meals. We think that, frankly, the most nutritious meals, the most environmentally friendly meals in the state of California are going to be those that include meat and dairy from California producers on the plate. I think most of us would agree with you. We can tell you're really primed and ready to go on this <laughs> issue, which is great to hear. We'll be looking for an update on that soon, and hopefully you'll have good news. But let's get to some more good news. As we said, CCA 
did have two sponsored bills last year, County AB 1103, which was the development of county livestock past programs to ensure ranchers access to their livestock during wildfires. I know Kirk and I were both getting calls specifically during 2020 from people that didn't really have access to their animals. That was a huge bill that passed. And then SB 332, which is going to reduce prescribed fire practitioners liability. What do you have going for this year? I know that CCA is going to sponsor some bills. Let's tell our members what those are. Yeah, so I'm not going to get too much into the weeds here because we are only three weeks into session. You know, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, you know, announce things before the legislature does, for instance. But there are two big ideas that CCA has this year in terms of legislation we'd like to sponsor. We'd like to work with authors in the Senate and Assembly to get signed into law. Uh, and in order to kind of set the stage for what we're doing this year, I have to give a bit of a history lesson on two prior bills that CCA sponsored. So you'll have to just uh, allow me to do that for a minute. I think a lot of our members will remember back in 2016, we sponsored a bill. It was called Assembly Bill 1960 with Assemblymember Lackey. That bill exempted agricultural vehicles from the California Highway Patrol's basic inspections of terminals regulations. Those regulations require commercial vehicles to open up their terminals, which is just where you either keep or maintain your vehicles, uh, to inspection uh, for safety purposes by CHP. There are fees and costs attendant with that. There's also, you know, the uh, burden of, of allowing CHP onto your property and going through the motions of that inspection. We don't find much safety risk in our agricultural producers' vehicles. So uh, we managed to, when Justin Oldfield was in my position uh, back in 2016, get an exemption for agricultural vehicles from the basic inspections of terminals requirement. In order to get that done, we had to make one compromise in the bill. We had to put in a sunset date, meaning the effective provision, the, the ag exemption, would cease existing on January 1st, 2023. The other part of that, why this was a compromise, was CHP was going to co come back with a report January 1st of 2022, so a few weeks back, uh, on whether there are any safety risks associated with that agricultural exemption. Based on whether or not there are any safety risks based on that report, we could come back and say, okay, we either want to continue this ag exemption or refine it a little bit. Unfortunately, that report hasn't been made available yet. Awesome. <laughs> which makes it a little difficult. But we would like to see that agricultural exemption extended beyond January 1st of next year. So we are proposing to at least extend out that sunset date by a few years, maybe 2026, okay. for instance. Ideally, we would remove that sunset date and you could have the ag exemption in perpetuity. But we have to see what that report says and we have to be sensitive to CHP's concerns and the concerns of the legislature. So we will see that report sometime this year. We may amend our bill as necessary, but our idea uh, and something that I'm, I'm reasonably confident we can see happen this year is extending that sunset date at least so that for a few more years, and hopefully we can work on it further down the line to make it permanent, but for a few more years, get that ag exemption so our members aren't having to go through that onerous inspection process and the attendant fees. So while you're waiting on that CHP report, what's the other bill that you have going? Yeah, so this one uh, comes back to the issue of sunset dates and I'll explain a little bit. In 2017, we worked with Assemblymember Frank Bigelow on AB 589. That was a response to SB 88. I probably don't need to explain for most of our members what SB 88 is because it was a big deal back in 2015 and 2016 when it took effect. But for some folks, I will go ahead and explain what SB 88 was. Senate Bill 88, among other things, required the State Water Resources Control Board to adopt some regulations that require every single water user in the state of California to annually report 
on their diversion and use in water. And anyone who has a water diversion of 10 acre feet or more, they have to install a measurement device. Well, as they developed those regulations at the state water board, they decided anyone who has a diversion of 100 acre feet or more, if they're installing a measurement device as required by the regulation, they have to hire a professional engineer, a licensed contractor, or someone supervised by an engineer or contractor. That becomes problematic. Our analysis back in 2017 was that for many water diversions, that could be $15,000 per diversion because you've got to hire them for their time, those engineers and contractors. And if you're in a remote location, which you probably are if you're in agriculture, it's going to cost even more because you're paying for their transportation costs, you're paying for their transportation time. So we wanted to find a way that our ranchers could still comply with those SB88 regulations, but do so in a financially uh, sound way. So what we did is developed AB589 with Assemblymember Bigelow. That created a UC Cooperative Extension course. A rancher can take that course, can learn how to install their own measurement device, take a quick proficiency exam at the end of that course, and if they pass it, they become a qualified individual under the regulations, and they're able to install, calibrate, certify their own measurement device, saving them thousands of dollars. That's been hugely successful in the four years since the bill took effect. 1,328 people have taken that course over 23 course offerings. So it's been really helpful. A lot of people in the state of California, farmers and ranchers primarily, but really anyone who has a water diversion. It seems like those numbers would be helpful to move the bill forward. Right. The State Water Resources Control Board and other stakeholders were a little skeptical of this bill back in 2017. So just like with the transportation bill we just discussed, we had to put in a sunset date. This bill also is set to sunset on January 1st of 2023. So we want to extend that out. And our proposal for this one is not to kick it out by three or five years, but to remove that sunset date altogether so awesome. those UC courses can exist in perpetuity. And I'll say I've had some early conversations with the State Water Resources Control Board. You would expect them to maybe push back on us a little bit. We were a little worried about that. No, they love this course because it increases compliance rates with Senate Bill 88. And also it provides useful information to the water board's enforcement staff, because believe it or not, they're not intimately familiar with how diversion works on farms and ranches. So this course provides them with some good insight. So we're excited about that bill. Uh, we're hoping to remove that sunset date. These have been wildly successful courses. If you ask Larry Ferrero up in Shasta County, for instance, he's worked a lot on these. Uh, if you ask our ranches, ranchers who have taken it, they've been wildly successful courses. So we'd like to see that continue to happen so our folks don't suddenly have to pay $15,000 to get their things. Their measurement device is calibrated by a professional engineer. I'm really excited about where that bill might go this year. Sure. Well, we'll watch for that day to come. But it's great to hear the early conversations you're having with the State Water Resources Board are going positively and seems like a program that they want to continue. Also, if you're having questions about SB88 or don't really understand what we're talking about, but think this is something you should be doing. I will just plug real quick that the Rancher Technical Assistance Program provided through the California Cattlemen's Foundation, funded by the California Cattle Council, is here to help on issues related to that. So you can call Noah and Jack with RTAP and they can help you sort out those issues or even just explain what exactly we're talking about in more detail. Anything else, Kirk? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm just uh, extremely excited about how the first three weeks of this legislative session have worked. Out so far, uh, Jason and I have been working together uh, like a well-oiled machine. I think we've really hit our stride as a CCA government affairs team, including, of course, Billy Gatlin, who's the executive vice president, uh, working closely with us. 
And I think you're going to hear some exciting things out of the California Cattlemen's Association in the coming months. It's pretty early in legislative session right now, but uh, as it transpires throughout the year, both in terms of the budget and policy bills, I think you're going to hear some some good news from the California Cattlemen's Association, and I'm excited in the future to be providing that good news. Always good to hear, Kirk. Thanks for your optimism and just sharing with us today what you've been working on and kind of what the plan is moving forward for CCA's government affairs team. Great to see you. And like we mentioned earlier in the episode, we will have Jason Bryant on in either the next episode or the one after that. For those of you that we'll see in Houston in just a week or so, we look forward to seeing you there. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks discussing another topic related to California and ranching. Thanks for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Thank you.